my message part before I, I'm going to have Jezreel pray here in just a minute so he can prepare. I know he doesn't like surprises all the time. So I want to give him a couple, couple seconds just to prepare his spirit to pray for us. I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my story today. And I don't want you to get nervous because I'm not going to ask you to share your story. But what I'm hoping that'll happen as I share my story with you this morning. And, and I'm going to use the, uh, a story that I found in the Bible and, and share them both simultaneously. I'm going to share the story from the Bible with my story and hope that you'll see that tension, that tension of a life apart from Jesus and a tension of when Jesus comes and chooses to mesh his life with a life. Uh, it's my story. Uh, it's something that, that's been with me my whole life. And one thing that I love about our story when we present our story and I when I was in the Dominican Republic, I was able to share a little bit of my story. I found myself sometimes at the table with people from three different countries. We all spoke English and we all shared about what God was doing in our life. And I love stories, our stories in particular, about what God's done. So this story that I'm about to tell you, it gets pretty intense. And I'm going to go there with you. I'm going to get vulnerable and transparent because I need to. But I want you to know that my story is a story of joy. My story is a joy of hope. My story is a joy of, or a story of peace my, my story is a, a story of a purpose. But before that was in place, before any of that took place in my life, there was a tragedy that happened to me. And it happened when I was 19 years old. And I could share my, my story before I was 19. I was raised in a, a single family home. Uh, it was a very abusive home. I was the youngest of four kids. We saw a lot of violence in my home. All those things that, that happened from when I was a little kid up to 18 could be a whole other message. I don't want to dwell on that because I don't want to I don't want to spin you too much out on my story, but what I do want to tell you is I share my story. I want you to know that it goes somewhere, amen? It goes to joy, and it goes to peace, and it goes to hope, but I need to help unwrap a little bit of where I was so I can, I can help you see why my story relates to this man that I'm going to talk about in Mark chapter 5 and why your story matters to the kingdom of God, why your story matters to the point where it needs to be alive in you again. If you've forgotten that you've had a story, I want to tell you an intense story is fantastic in the kingdom of God, watching God do something, deliver someone, bring someone to a new place. But if you're in this house today and you discover Jesus at a very young age and, and you haven't made a mistake, not too big, and he's kept you and he's sustained you and he's held you, that's one of the most powerful stories that I've ever heard. So as I share, you, share with you my story, I don't want you to take it take your story apart or say that your story doesn't matter or your story isn't big enough because the fact that God has kept you in your life, that God has kept you and hasn't, hasn't, hasn't left you, that he's sustained you is one of the greatest stories ever. So Jezra, will you pray for us? Yes, God. And teaching easy, and that anointing, that same anointing, <clears throat> that we're hearing, God, and applying your word, Father. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. So your word will go forth today, and it will reap. Yes, God, yes. And produce, God, that that you've already predetermined, and we give you praise for it. Thank you. Amen. I've noticed something in the kingdom of God when it comes to healing, especially emotional healing, healing inside a person. Sometimes it happens in an instant. 
I've watched God deliver people from things in an instant, heal people from past emotions in an instant. Sometimes that healing comes about over a series of events or a series of time or because we're rubbing shoulders with people. As I share my story, and, and I have through the years, uh, something else heals inside me, whether it be a, a small thing or a large thing. Sometimes it heals other people that I have listening to it. So as I share my story with you today, I just want you to realize that the kingdom of God is always at work. That dimension of who God is in our life, he's never, he's never ending and he's never ceasing and he's never sleeping and he's not sitting down on the job. There's always something happening in our life. So whether you felt God strong this morning or you're still trying to figure out what that is, or maybe it's, it's gone a little bit cold like Pastor Steve was sharing a little bit earlier, God is still at work in your life. And I, my prayer today is as I share my story, and it intercedes or interconnects with your story today that you watch God do something amazing in your life. It's real easy to maybe see me for, sorry guys, I know you're queuing up for the video, to see someone and think you got them all figured out. You see me 20 minutes a week or an hour a week, or I see you 10 minutes on a Monday, and, and our lives connect just a little bit. And it's real easy to, to see each other that way and say, you know what, I know who that person is. I know what they're about. I know what their family's like. I know their behavior is this way or they're this way. And we start labeling people. And one of the things I learned a long time ago dealing with people is I don't have anybody figure it out. I really don't. And as I try hard to be like Jesus in people's lives, I'm surprised when I sit down with someone or I talk to someone or I rub shoulders with someone and I hear other parts of their story that I didn't know about, I'm amazed that they're the way they are today. When you watch God move in someone's life in a real way, there, there's a testimony that comes out of that story that it can't be stolen, it can't be, it can't be rationalized. I love talking doctrine with people and I love sharing the Bible with people. I do it all the time. But when, am I, when I share my story, it does something so different to someone's heart uh, that I can't do it in any other way. So as you maybe get encouraged or inspired to share your story again, that God has sustained you through whatever he has, uh, be encouraged by this story. When I was 19 years old, something happened to me that, that impacted my life so greatly that I had begun to believe the lie that there was no hope for me. There was no future for me. There was, there was nothing left for me. And as I, as I progressed down that road for about 10 years, my life began to spin so incredibly out of control. When I was 19 years old, I went through something that... Uh, Unfortunately, I've heard the story that it's happened to many other people, and I've been able to use my testimony to share that with them as well. But this story changed my life. It, it actually is a story that was the straw that broke my back, this camel's back, and caused me to begin my quest to find out who Jesus really is. So uh, about four years ago, I was able to go back to the scene where this happened. And it had been 25 years before I could go back there. But I've learned something about God. Sometimes he takes you back to the place where an incident happened so he can show you just how healed you are. Sometimes he takes you and sits you at a table with someone that you've had an issue with just to show you how healed you are of that situation, whether it be a mother, a father, a child, a situation, a location. And he shows you, look what I've done in your life. Look what I've done in you and through you. So as I went back to this place and I brought a few friends of mine to film it, uh, they, they came up with this this video that I want to show you right now. So take a look at the screens. So it was June 23rd, 1989, and a group of friends of mine were getting ready for a night out, a Friday night out at the movies. It was opening night of Batman. It was a sold-out show, and we had pre-bought like 30 tickets. 
we are going to own that theater. You know, we are all going to sit together, just being alive, enjoying life. Part of my job since I lived closely at a apartment building was to shuttle the people up here and drop them off because parking was going to be an issue. And as I came up to this point, it was all roped off and there was those big searchlights spinning and just people everywhere. There wasn't a, a parking spot available to park. So I was dropping off my friends and I knew I had just enough time to park once I got the next crew back here and to get in line and get into the theater. When I was just about ready to get back on the road to go, a friend of mine stopped. He'd ran up to my vehicle and uh, he asked if he could get a ride, jump on my bumper and just play around. I said, sure. I mean, teenagers do it all the time. I did it all the time. And I was getting back on the entrance here. I saw him grab a hold of my bumper, get on, and, and I took off. As I was coming right down here to the light again on 156, I noticed a ton of people coming into the parking lot. And I knew if I went forward, I'd get stuck in traffic, so I decided to take a quick left turn. And as soon as I was turning this left, I stepped on the gas. And, and I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I made that turn. But I looked up to my rearview mirror, and I saw Jimmy fall off my back bumper. It was like time stopped. As I got out and got beside his body and just held him, waiting for the ambulance to arrive, it, it, it was like the longest three minutes of my life. They got here so fast, but it, it seemed like forever. When the EMT arrived, they moved me away from, away from Jimmy, and there was a, an officer on the scene, and he handcuffed me and read me my rights and put me in the back of his car. And as we were pulling away, all my friends had come down from the movie and, and, and kind of stood around in, in the circle where we just were, and they were watching me drive away in the police car, and they were calling my name, but I just I couldn't look at them. I spent that night in jail facing vehicular manslaughter charges. All my friends went to the hospital to be with Jimmy and his family and everyone else that was involved. And Jimmy died later that day. That split-second decision that I made caused such a rift in so many people. Jimmy's family suffered an unimaginable loss. My friends' lives were, were turned upside down. And every hope or dream or plan that I had ahead of me was gone. In that split-second decision, I was at a crossroads that would underline my life for the next 10 years. At 19 years old, you know, that, that weight that I felt, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to communicate it. Jimmy had just graduated from high school about a week before that accident. And I was probably a year out of high school. And we'd, we'd stay up nights just dreaming about what's ahead, where we are going, what we are going to do. And you don't ever think something like that's going to happen to you. You don't ever think that 
right in the midst of one of the most fun nights that could be imagined. Everyone managed somehow to get the night off. And we're all together trying to live life that everything would shift, everything would change. And in my study to try to to get free of this pain that I was feeling, conventional religion just didn't have a place for me. I, I, I grew up Catholic, but didn't really have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I just, it, there was nothing there for me. So I began to explore a new age movement, white witchcraft and Buddhism and Hinduism and any other ism I could find. And as I studied and dug deeper and deeper, I found out that these things, the source of my healing had to come from within me. And it, it would, it would, so spin me out because I knew that the answer wasn't there that I'd begin to look further and further. And I got so dark and dark and dark and further out in the darkness that uh, I ended up just leaving Washington state. There was so much pain in my life, so much chaos that no one wanted to be around me anymore. It was confusing just having me in that room. My, my, my mother and my sisters and my brothers and everyone that was around. It's not that they didn't love me anymore, but there was just, there was something about having me around that just, I would suck the fun out of the room because of what was going on in my life. As I progressed across the United States, uh, this is where a a really interesting part of my story kind of takes place. Seven of the 12 people that picked me up were either a youth pastor or a pastor on sabbatical or some really radical born-again Christian that chose to pick me up. And I, if you've been in Christianity very long and, and shared the gospel with many people, we're, we're taught to use the Romans road of salvation. So they were all using the Romans road of salvation. I didn't know what that was at the time, but every car I got into was sharing the same scriptures with me. Every car I got into was sharing the same story with me. And it, it started to get kind of irritating, but weird at the same time, because I just didn't get it. I didn't get why everyone knew the same thing. It was like they were telling me this answer that I just didn't receive, that I didn't want to get ready to receive. And as I, as I progressed across the United States, when I got to Canada, people stopped picking me up. I don't know what's up with Canada, but I guess they didn't like me or my, my luck run out. And I ended up taking my seat bag out of my backpack and going on the side of the highway, one of those high grassy banks that you see on, on long highways that aren't kept. And I just crawled inside my sleeping bag for about 18 hours. I watched the sun set and the sun rise and I just cried. I just let out all that pain, all that stuff that was inside me, all those things that I was bottled up, all those answers that I was trying to find that just edited with more frustration I just emptied myself out. As I got down to New York State, uh, I was empty, completely empty. I was penniless, emotionless, and I ended up going to my aunt and uncle's house to take a shower and start talking to them about the gospel. There's something really amazing about a born-again Christian's house, and I don't know if you knew this about that. But when I stepped onto their property line for the first time since I was a young teenager, It was like I heard crickets. All confusion stopped. All the voices that are in my head stopped. And there was such a great peace that I literally stopped on my tracks and I said, what just happened? And on that that place where they dedicated to the Lord for ministry, which is their home, God began to speak to me. And they invited a friend down, a missionary. He had thrown his back out and he was soaking in their hot tub. And they asked me to step into the hot tub with him and he began to just share his story about what he'd seen Jesus do in India on the mission field. And as he told his story more and more, he told me the story of healings and deliverances and freedom that he saw through Christ. My heart opened. And he led me to the Lord right there in that hot tub. And then he baptized me. So I always joke that I'm a whirlpool believer because it all happened to me once. 
getting saved and baptized in a, in a hot tub is just awesome. I think that we should all experience something like that in our life. As I've gone down the road in Jesus, and my, my story has become more free, and I'm, the only reason I can share this with you today is because God's done something so great in me that I can, I can be free enough to share this with you. But as I get further down the road in, in my walk with Christ and I see him do different things, I'm very curious to see if there's other stories of that in the Bible. And I found one. I found one that I feel relates to maybe you here today, but I know it relates to me. It relates to what I grew through. And as I unpack the story, Mark chapter 5, I want you to see the, the correlation to my story, but maybe also the story of some people that you're believing God for. Because there's something really amazing about those people that picked me up in their car. I know they prayed for me as soon as they dropped me off. And each meeting that I had got more and more intense until uh, the night before I broke out on my own when I was with my friend. A man uh, gave me $5 and he prayed with me that Jesus would reveal himself to me beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I let him pray that over me and I felt my heart begin to open. And that's when I felt the presence of God pursue me all the way into New York. Before I share Mark chapter 5 with you, I want to just give you a little bit of backstory to it. Uh, Mark chapter 5 is a, a great story for me. It's very vivid. It's one of the most uh, colorful stories of, of a man getting free in the presence of Jesus that I know in the Bible. It also is a really interesting time in Jesus' story because it's the first time that he went into the Gentile world with his disciples. They crossed the, the great sea and there was a storm that he calmed. And right after that calming of the storm is when he met this demoniac. Now, Jesus' disciples were not into them going across the sea. They tried to stop Jesus. They were like, hey, you know what? This is weird. Let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to them, you know, you might be familiar with the story. Let the dead bury their dead. He also shared that foxes don't have homes. He shared many parables during that time. But when we get into Mark chapter 5, we see the disciples crossing this great sea and the storm being calmed. And then as soon as they hit the shore, a demoniac appears. Something's really amazing about the sickness that we carry as human beings before Christ. You'd think it'd be the opposite, but our twistedness and our sickness and our pain a lot of times gets so great that it begins to attract us towards Jesus. Uh, a lot of times if you, if you look at people and you try to think you have them all figured out, their story seems to be all connected the one thing I've discovered about people, it's usually in their darkest times, their lowest points when Jesus is on the scene. And I love Jesus because of that. I love when you study Jesus and you look into his life. Sometimes it looks like he was just wandering, that he was just showing up places, ending up places. But I know my story, and maybe you can relate to your story too, and the story that we're just about to read, is Jesus didn't just wander around aimlessly. There was a point to every individual that he met, every place that he went, everyone that he talked to, there was a point behind it. And this story is no different. But this story sounds a lot like a Stephen King movie. So let me read it to you. They came to the other side of the sea, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. 
When God's given me the opportunity to talk to people that are very far from him, they're dark, they're maybe what you and I might feel are unsafe. I'm always thinking of my story, how people in my life try to help me. They try to do things to, to make sure that I was safe. They try to correct the things that I was doing that were wrong. And none of it helped to the point where they finally just left me to my druthers, left me to, to be in that thing. And when I look at the story of this demoniac, that's exactly what happened to him. He got more and more and more and more oppressed by the things that were going on in his life, whether it be his life choices or the things that happened to him or the things that people did to him or maybe something that he inherited from his parents, whatever it might be. It got to the point where he, he couldn't be constrained anymore. The Bible teaches us uh, that he actually hit his shackles together until they shattered and exploded. And he would wander through the tombs and the hills and howl and cut himself with stones because he was in so much pain. I think of the villagers tucking their kids in at night. And they must have said, don't worry about the guy howling in the hills. He's all right. He's just up there howling. They got used to his state. They got used to who he was. They got used to what he did. And it became part of the folklore of the area that there's a howling demoniac in the hills that lives in the tombs, that's naked. Don't go up there at night because he does strange things. And I think of my story, and I think of maybe your story here today, or someone that you care deeply about. In their heart, in their heart, those dead places that they can't get free from, those dead places that they're, they're trying to get out of, but they can't, that Jesus shows up in a boat on the shore of the things that are dead in our life, and he's just there. Without us even thinking about it, he's there and he shows up. Let's continue this story. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying, Jesus was saying, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What's your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So they gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbered about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. And the herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. I don't want you to get lost in the pigs because it's easy to do. The pig story is a little bizarre. And you might be saying to yourself, Jesus, what's the deal with the pigs? Let me say just a couple things about the pigs. In that time, in that place, two cultures were colliding. The Romans and the Greeks and the Jewish people. It was a very unclean part of the world because it was a graveyard. And it was a place where pigs were raised. We saw two different communities. The Jewish people shunned it. And those that lived there sold the pigs to the Romans and the Greeks. So that, that area was uh, a place where people gained great wealth. When you had large herds of pigs in those days, you were considered wealthy. I also am really intrigued by the fact that here was this man that some scholars would say had over 6,000 demons inside him. And the weight and the continued weight 
of holding all those demons inside him actually killed 2,000 pigs because they couldn't even handle maybe two or three of those demons inside of them. They, they all committed suicide. I joke and say it's the first history we have of deviled ham. Or maybe it was uh, suicide. I don't know. My point is this, though, is that human beings have a way of just holding on to those things that are broken and twisted and sick. And we carry the weight. We, we continue just to carry the weight. We continue just to howl and moan and wander and try and strive. And we were never meant to do that. And in that sickness, in that darkness, in those things that make us wander, we're drawn to the feet of Jesus, almost to the point where we can't help ourselves. Because that thing in us is so great that we can't carry it anymore. And if we don't get it off of us and from us and free from who we are, we'll continue to wander in that death. And those herdsmen that watched the pigs fled to the town to tell their owners, their masters, those that they worked for, man, I've lost all your pigs. All your wealth is gone. And the people came to see what had happened. They come with a heart of, oh my goodness, all my pigs are gone. All my wealth is gone. All my status is gone. All my fame is gone. All my future is gone. Let's continue the story. And those townspeople, they came to Jesus and they saw that demon-possessed man. The one that had been, had the legion. He was sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Human beings are funny this way. We can handle the storms. We can handle all that weight. We don't know what to do when that peace comes. We're scared of the peace, that stillness, that stillness that only God can bring. We get fearful of it. And then those that were there, they began to describe to them what had happened, that the demon-possessed man, howling and cutting himself and screaming, bowed at the feet of Jesus, the story we just read. They began to tell them that. And then how the demon-possessed man was free because all of a sudden the demons were removed by the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus, into the pigs. And they turned to Jesus and they begged him to leave. Now remember, this is a man that lived in their hills. You couldn't cook dinner, put your kids asleep, go outside without hearing the echoing of this man's cries from the hill, of his pain, of his life, of his turmoil, of his choices, of those things done to him, echoed off the hills. And when they came and saw this man clothed, in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and in those days, sitting at the feet of Jesus, was you bowing down to a rabbi saying, you know something I need to know. I, I, I'm missing something in my life. I got to hear what you have to say. Speak to me. Speak to me. Let me know. I want to be your disciple. This man who was sane one minute or insane one minute was sane the next. Naked and without purpose suddenly was closed and he was in his right mind. But their response, their reaction was they begged Jesus. They didn't just ask him. They begged him. 
to leave them, to leave their region, to be gone. I believe that that weight was too much for them. They were, they were okay with their life before this man was free because they had their comfort. They had their pigs. They had their wealth. They had their status. But because Jesus came on the scene, he turned it all upside down. He turned it all upside down for them. As he was getting into the boat, Jesus, the man who had been possessed with demons, begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This story maybe is like your story. You've asked Jesus to go or do something or you prayed and you believed God and it didn't happen. Maybe you were like that demon-possessed man who suddenly had purpose. He suddenly had freedom. He suddenly had the ability to hear the voice of Jesus. And all he wanted to do was be with his Lord. All he wanted to do was get on that boat and float away with him, whatever that might be. But Jesus said, no. Jesus said, I want you to stay here. This is actually the first Gentile missionary that Jesus sent out. A demon-possessed man, delivered by pigs, living in a town that people didn't want his Savior to stay in. That's where Jesus wanted him to be. And Jesus sent him out to the ten cities. And every time he shared his story, people marveled. People marvel about what happened to this man. I love this story because it intersects in the Gospels. Three of the Gospels talk about this demon-possessed man. And we read in Matthew 15 that when Jesus returned to that region, and we read about the feeding of the 4,000 people, and that were 4,000 people ready to hear what Jesus had to say, I believe that this was the man that led all those people to know the Lord. I believe that as he shared his story in these 10 cities, people became so intrigued by this Jesus that when he came back to, the, to this town, there was thousands of people ready to receive more of what Jesus had. This is where I want to go with you today as we, as we wind up here. It's easy to think that our story doesn't matter. It's easy to think that our story has ended because we've come to know Jesus. It's easy to think that those things in our life that have shackled us and beaten us down will keep us there. But I want you to know that Jesus just, he never stops. He never stops. He's, he's always on the scene. Those people that you're praying for, those people that you're believing for, those things in your life that you're believing for yourself, he, he's not stopping. He's still there. He still cares. He hasn't given up. He hasn't done those things in your life just to say your story stops here. I believe in this room today, there's people that God is calling to do great things. But because it didn't look like that boat ride with Jesus, you didn't let the rest of your story continue and you're still stuck in that place. Maybe you've gone back to those things that caused you chaos and pain. But God changes all those things. He frees all those things. When I was on the side of the freeway, weeping and letting things out, I believe it was the only way that I could actually come to Jesus because I had tried so long to find that ancient cure for all those things that I had done and had been done to me. 
I tried so hard to get free from it all. The only thing that freed me and the only thing that continues to free me is when I find myself at the feet of Jesus and I open up my hands and I say, God, it's, it's all yours. My life, my future, my children, my children's children. It's all free. I give it to you. My story is a little bit different than the demoniac. When my family and my friends saw me sane and in my right mind, they rejoiced. And it started a chain reaction in my family. And I shared that a little bit earlier. I watched my mom get saved and my sister and my brother. And now I have a great responsibility because I have to live right because they're watching. Sometimes I don't always do it right. But in those mistakes and those shortcomings, they're watching that too. So today, we have all kinds of backgrounds. We have all kinds of stories. But as I have you stand with me for a minute, I want to pray over you. I want to pray that the Lord of life, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Messiah, the Savior, the keeper, the healer, the deliverer, would visit you in a way that you've never experienced. God has not called us to just sit. God has called us to go. It might be here. It might be there. It might be on a mission trip. It might be in your workplace. But there's a stirring in your heart that I want to touch today. One of the things I love about being set free is in those stars, in those scars, in those walking those things out, there's an authority there. And there's authority in my life to be able to pray for people for freedom that only God can bring. And as I pray for you today, and as I believe with you today, for God to take you to that new place, that fresh place, that lovely place, I'd ask the prayer team to come on down. There's some prayer people up here to pray with you, to take you to that new place that you're believing God for. But I want to remind you of that day in the hot tub for me, when I was able to look in the mirror and see joy and peace and God began to speak deeply to me about what I would do with my life. That can happen to anyone. It can happen to your son. It can happen to your daughter. It can happen to you and I don't care how old you are. My stepdad didn't come to Christ until his 70s. He blew every statistic out of the water that we hear about salvation. None of that matters. What matters is a yielded heart, heart ready for God to use and you just stepping out in it. There's not magic in it, but there's something in your heart that will never be the same. I'm going to pray for you. Then I'm going to ask Pastor Steve to come up and just bless you. And if you need prayer, don't go from this place until you can get prayer. Let this be that benchmark, that landmark, that vanguard moment where God changes your life forever, brings you to a place that you've never been because it can happen in a moment. It happened to me in a moment. It happened to that demoniac in a moment. It can happen to anyone in that moment because that's the power of God. Father, I thank you so much for today, for these people, for your house, for your word. I thank you that you rule and you reign and there is no name greater than you. I come against every lie and trick of the enemy right now and I thank you, Lord, that your ministering angels are here in spirit of God. You're moving in the hearts of your people. I pray, God, that you touch lives right now. 
to the core, to the core, Lord. I I come against those shadows. I come against those half-truths. I come against those ungodly beliefs right now, and we crush them. We crush them under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Be free, church. Be free to be who God's called you to be. There's no one like you. You don't have to pretend to be anyone else. You are uniquely God's child with a purpose, with a plan, with a hope, with a future. And it's a plan for you to prosper. It's a plan for you, not against you. He's a good, good God. And it's who you are now. You're a good person. We all got stuff we got to work through, but whatever you're holding on, that shame, that hurt, and that pain, I crush it right now in the name of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Be free. Be free. And I speak over your lives to 10 generations down, that your children's children's children for 10 generations be in that freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty. I speak life over you today. Lord, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for right now. I thank you, God, that you care deeply for us. And Lord, to the best of our ability, where we are, we take a step out in faith, not just leaning on this prayer, but taking a step of faith as we are. We lift up our hands with clenched fists, and we just release, we just release those things that we've held on to. Fear, anger, pain, resentment, guilt, shame, disease, sickness, past, lack of future. We let that all go right now. We let all that go right now because we can't do anything about it, but you know exactly what to do. We choose to let you come to the shores of the death of our life in the boat and take that death from us. We choose to bow at your feet today, fully clothed and in our right mind because of what you've done in our life. In Jesus' name. Well, in that, guys, can you please um, put your hands together for, for Pastor Todd and just his vulnerability in sharing this morning with us. So with that, it's simple. The message and the blessing today is that you would go and that God would give you an opportunity to share your story with someone this week, that you would be vulnerable uh, and share that. And if you don't have a story, I pray now that God gives you one and that this week is a turning point for you. So thank you all. You're dismissed, blessed. Have a good week.